0: We would like to direct your attention to the joy timeline. The joy timeline, Philippians chapter three, and we're teaching about joy. What is joy? Joy is exact. Joy doesn't need much definition. It's just it's it's uh, it, uh, it's practiced in rejoicing. It's a feeling of uh, excitement, goodness. That's irrespective, many times, of what's going on around you. It's just being blessed, joy. So this man said, a thief broke into my house last night, middle of the night. And he kind of startled me and I I saw him with the flashlight looking around. And so I said, what are you looking for? And the thief said, I am looking for money. So I said, praise God. And I got out of bed and I started looking with him. You know, there's a lot of people, though, that have things that money, that, can't, that money can buy, but have lost things that money can't buy. What? Joy. So we're going to look at the joy timeline. And really, you, we we're going to look at past, present, and future. And this is divided up into those three areas. Paul looks to his past. Paul looks to the present. And Paul looks to the future. Well, first of all, in all of these things... We want to be looking to Jesus. Jesus in our future, Jesus in our past, and Jesus in our present. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Have you ever thought of yourself as God's joy? That was the joy. The cross wasn't the joy of Jesus because it says that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. But God was looking forward to us. And really, if we can wrap this up at the end, we want to share something for us to understand. So looking to, looking to Jesus and then looking through Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. The, the same Apostle Paul that wrote Philippians wrote Corinthians And it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen, the things that you can see right here, they're temporal. That means they're temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So what Paul is really looking at here are spiritual things. We're not so much looking at chairs and tables and and you know, financial assets, but we're looking at things that you can't see with your eyes. And the Bible says in Second Corinthians, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So as we look unto God, He'll help us see things that you can't see with your natural eyes. We have to look with spiritual eyes. So for the first section of Philippians chapter 3 and the joy timeline, we're going to look back. Looking back to the past verses 1 through 11. And kind of the theme here, Paul says, and it's in verse 8, he said, I count. So when you look back, the word count in the Bible, in this scripture, means to consider, to weigh, to esteem, to think of something. And you're coming to the end of the year, and it's a time of Thinking back, you know, weighing things, weighing good decisions and and bad decisions. And my wife, every once in a while, my wife and I, we sit down and we think about the future. And one time we wrote on this napkin and it was less column and more column. It was years ago. and We just get a little napkin out at the restaurant, okay? Whatever restaurant we were at. And it was less of, and we wrote down different things we wanted less of. You know and i don't remember exactly what we wrote things that we didn't count as a blessing right and then things we wanted more of so we wanted uh even was it not john said i must decrease and he must increase so we have choices in our lives and it's a good time to look back to see what we want more of what we want less of so first section is on the joy timeline is to look back, in Christ, to look back. We're not talking about our old life, but to look back in Christ. Finally, my brethren, so Philippians chapter three and verse one, rejoice in the Lord. There's that joy again. Where? Looking unto Jesus, rejoicing. Even though you might've started Bible study a minute late, rejoice. To write the same things unto you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And then he said, beware of dogs. He's not talking about pit bulls and Rottweilers. It's actually, uh, it's a spin, and we'll look at three things here. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of the concision. So the Jews used to look down on non-Jews, and they would call them dogs. And it was just kind of a pejorative. It wasn't a nice thing, but that was kind of the way that it was. But here, Paul is turning it and he's saying, Beware of dogs. And he was talking about the Judaizers, the ones that would try to take the, Philippi, the, the Philippian Christians back into the law. And what does a dog do? Nip at your heels all the time and tell you, You need to do this and need to do that. And then he said, Beware of evil workers because they were trying to also say, Well, you can have Jesus, but you need to work for your salvation. And Paul called them evil workers. There's things that I do for the Lord, but I don't do it to be a Christian. I do it because I am a Christian. It's like I love my daughter, not to be a parent. We already have a daughter, but because I am a parent. And then he said, beware of the concision. Now, a circumcision was a a it was a, an operation done on uh, uh, male Jews, and it was to show the... The covenant and keeping the covenant. But here he calls it the concision, which is like a mutilation. And they they had taken what God had said and they had made it out of place. And then in verse 3, he says, For we are the circumcision. He was talking about a spiritual removing of uh, an old part, which worship God in the spirit, and here he goes, Rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence. In the flesh so Paul begins to look back on his life and there was a guy named Socrates and he said the unexamined life is not worth living so Paul looked back in the joy timeline and he said though I might also in verse 4 have confidence in the flesh and he's not talking about things so much as his life his you know his uh, stature in life if you please if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now, he's not talking about trusting in your biceps like Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's talking about trusting in your stature, who you are. You know, someone they want to be somebody. Circumcised the eighth day, which is what, when the Jews were supposed to be circumcised. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So if he looked back, he could say, well, you know what? I had the right family. Uh, I had a righteous life, outwardly a righteous life. I obeyed the law and I was a defender of my religion. And there's the problem with that. You see, religion is just kind of like whatever religion you serve faithfully. It's just enough to keep you out of trouble, but not enough to get you into heaven. So Paul did all of these things, and uh, Christians practice religion. We're doing something religious right now. We're having Bible study. Now, Religion's not wrong. It's a system of beliefs, and it's a system of ceremonies and rules used to worship God. We start church at 7.30 if we need to be reminded. We still start church at 7.30 in Bible study. Well, Christians practice religion. They go to church, sing songs, invite people to church. But all that stems from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is gonna get to. He said, when I looked back, I trusted in what I did. I trusted in who I was physically, like my family name. Now, there are names in America, and maybe you don't know much about this, and the nouveau riche, you know, like the Bill Gates of the world, and I think his daughter just got married, And uh, but there's some old money names, like the Rothschilds, you know, the old money names like uh, the old oil barons. They called them the blue bloods, okay? So Paul was saying, I had that money name. I had the right tribe. I had the right uh, religious upbringing. But he said, now notice in verse 7, when I looked back, but what things were gained to me, those I counted or esteemed or weighed loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And this is kind of hard to share, but I mean, the Bible says, and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ what we say in my household or at least i say you got to watch out for that stuff on the ground because people walk their dogs and don't clean it up and i say watch out i'll see it on the ground i say winner winner chicken dinner and there's something right there on the ground you don't want to step in right well paul wasn't saying now notice he wasn't saying that his old life was dumb so we have to understand what he's saying but it was a comparison when he compared all of the things he had in the flesh with all of the things he had in Jesus Christ, what he used to have really wasn't worth much. It's like if you have a paper drawing of a Lamborghini and a real Lamborghini, that paper drawing, in comparison, is just like dung. It's worthless. Maybe even drawn on toilet paper, right? That's what Paul was saying. Saying It's like we say good, better, best, right? They're adjectives. They're descriptors. So good is an adjective to describe something better is a comparative. Paul is saying my life in God, in Jesus Christ, is way better than my old life when I had to do all the work and it was who I was, not who Christ was in me. And the Bible says, so his joy when he looks back is to be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now notice this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now I know about General Grant. I know about Abraham Lincoln. And we've probably all heard of them, right? We know about them. We learned about them in school or read books about them. But how many of us know Abraham Lincoln? You'd be mighty old, right? How many of us know? And I'm not talking about the general grant on the $50 bill. I'm not talking about that grant, right? Or the Benjamin, right? The the Benjamin. Uh, But the Bible didn't say that Paul desired to know about Jesus. The Bible says that I may know know him. I remember I was talking to a lady uh, where I used to, where my, uh, my cousin's wife, so this is in Wisconsin, and uh, there was a guy, I don't know if you met Charles Bender. Bender? Brother Bender? So there was a guy in Bible school named Charles Bender. And Charles Bender was from the same town where my cousin and his wife were from, either Baraboo or Monroe Wisconsin so when I went back from Washington State where the Bible school was where I had met Charles Bender in Bible school I went and asked I think Angie was her name my cousin's wife I said do you know uh, Charles Bender and I remember her with her Wisconsin accent going oh yeah Chuck Bender I know him and uh, they had gone to school together and my uh, Chuck Bender had said he knew my cousin Denny well he didn't say I know about him He even called him Chuck instead of Charles. I didn't know that that was a a thing. But just like Paul said that I may know him. And knowing him, he said, I want to know a few things, right? I want to know the power of his resurrection. Let me tell you, salvation includes the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not just the knowledge of the cross, but God gives us new life. And furthermore, he didn't stop there, did he? I wish that it was all roses, But roses have thorns, if you don't know that, right? And the Bible continued, and the fellowship of his sufferings, the result said being made conformable unto his death. It's interesting. Uh, Paul said, I don't just want to know if if understanding and knowing Jesus takes some rough times. I'll know the rough times. You know, in, in marriage, you say for better, Or for worse it's a commitment and you know that hard times in god in marriage in relationships at work those can actually in the military you know why some units are so close because they go through a lot together and I'm not just talking about Navy SEALs I'm talking about if you're a cook and you're at 3 in the morning peeling potatoes or something you form a bond with other people in that unit. Or you're both throwing up on a ship because you're in some, you know, trans-Pacific voyage and everyone's laughing at one another and you all look kind of a shade of green. That's what can make you actually closer and not farther away. It's a coming together. So uh, you've heard of PTSD, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was reading a book about a Medal of Honor winner and I actually looked up on the internet so we've all heard of PTSD and some people who go to combat they get what's called post-traumatic stress disorder where it affects their life after they have faced a challenging time well there's another uh, psychological concept and it's called post-traumatic growth I didn't even make this up I read about it in the book about the Medal of Honor winner because he came through he raised a family, he was physically disfigured and burned from his, his war service, but he raised a family and lived a quiet and peaceable life. Well, post-traumatic growth is a concept describing positive psychological growth as a result of highly challenging, highly stressful life circumstances. Wasn't even it Paul that boasted of all the things he went through and he said, None of these things are going to separate me from the love of Christ. He had post-traumatic growth. Well, what about Acts 20 and 24? But none of these things move me. He said, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with what? Joy! Paul had some post-traumatic growth, didn't he? And it said, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, man, whatever I go through, you can't take my Jesus. That's what Paul said. So in verse 11 of Philippians, he said, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So that's Paul looking back. Now, Paul begins to look around in joy. He said, uh, In looking around is in the present. Now the key word, we'll find a few verses down. This is verses 12 to 16. I press. So you're counting when you're looking back or esteeming. And then when you're looking around in joy, you go forward, you press. Not as though I had already attained, verse 12, either were already perfect. But I follow after that I might apprehend that for which also... I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. You know, we can be content. Contentment with things is a blessing. Content with your, you know, table or your car or something like that. But a certain spiritual discontent is also a blessing. Notice what Paul said. He said, uh, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. And, And the Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended in verse 13, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things, unto those things which are before. He said, I press. Here's the word. I press toward the mark or the finish line for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. there's so much to share in here. Let's see if I can get a few things in. Uh, So he said in verse 13, I count. Now that's a different word in the Greek. That means to take account, like to take inventory. And you know, sometimes it's good to take inventory. Uh, We have bank accounts. That's an inventory of what's in there or not in there, but that's a bank account. We have an account book. And now. It's all online, but you used to have little ledgers with plus and minus and equals, right? Well, most of us probably know what we have in our bank account. What about our spiritual bank account? Now, these are things that we can't see. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we look not at the things which are. But Paul said, we need to take a look. He said, I I count not myself to have apprehended. I've got to grow in God. Even Paul said, if Paul said that, Someone said, what's the biggest room in your house? The room for improvement, right? We can all take that. And he said in Philippians, to jump ahead of chapter 4 and verse 17, he said, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. We have accounts before God. Did you ever think about that? It's not true. Okay, well, then the Bible's not true because it says that we have accounts. These aren't like, you know... uh, you know, like some God's bank with literal money in them. These are spiritual accounts. We may have emotional—we we all do—we have emotional accounts. Uh, we have—we have we a have, uh, uh, marriage, you know, accounts where we have to put accounts in our friends, and our, in our wife, and our husband's emotional accounts. We have physical accounts, right? Our body—we have to take care of it. You don't feed it, it won't work. Your body takes an investment. Have you ever heard someone say, man, I am spent? What? Their body, literally, they spent everything that they had and they're done. I'm finished, man. I'm spent. They have nothing left in the account. Social accounts. I'm talking about Facebook, but like, you know, friendships take an investment. The Bible says in Proverbs, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And then it says, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than... brother so spiritually we need that account isn't it Peter that said in the book of Acts he said silver and gold have I none haha but he tapped into an account he said but such as I what did Peter have he just got in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and he said I've got something and I'm gonna give it to you he said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he grabbed the dude by the hand and lifted him up And this this man who was uh, uh, unable to walk, his feet and his ankle bones gained strength. Why? Peter had something in his account. Verse 14, and that'll cause us to press, to press forward. You know, it's interesting. Paul didn't compare himself with others. It's not. Comparison, you can get bitter when you compare yourself to others. Well, I did this and they didn't do that. Or they didn't do this and I did this. Paul said, I press. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended. But compare yourself with yourself. You know, and compare yourself with Jesus. And that'll be better to get us moving forward. As we look around. In the present, let us therefore, as many as be perfect or mature, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this even unto you. God has a way of dealing with our hearts. And all we have to do is just open our hearts, pray. Do what God wants us to do. And it says, nevertheless, where we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Let's all have the mind of Christ. And then as we look forward to the future, verses 17 to 21. Verses 17 to 21. It's interesting. As we have a few verses left, you know, you can't change the past. Unless you're in some sci-fi movie, okay? You can't change the past. What's done is done but here's the thing you can change the meaning of the past your past doesn't have to define your future we've all got people have cars and trucks and i would say that the rear view mirrors are smaller than the front windshield And that's because where you're going is way more important than where you've been. Now, you need to be able to look back, but there's a perspective there, and there should be a spiritual perspective. You see, uh, Paul said, uh, forgetting those things which are behind, he wasn't saying that you forget them, but the meaning of them, the the, the successes and the failures. You know, you can't live on your past successes. I preached a great message. Yeah, but that was a year ago. You know, I cooked a great meal. Well, great. It was a year ago. I did a great job. It was a year ago. We can't live on those things. We've got to go to the future. We've got to have a forward mindset, have a future mindset. So he said, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk as ye have us for an example. For many... Now, the third thing we're doing is looking for the future. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. Now, listen, who mind earthly things. And that's really the problem. You know, my, my belly... It, it talks to me. It talks to me. You know what it says? I don't know if yours says this. At about 10 p.m. at night, it says pizza. It says cookies. And uh, it's not talking about their, their physical belly so much, but their earthly desires. And your earthly desires will speak to you. And mine says in the morning, it says espresso. And so, and these things, I generally don't put pizza and cookies in there at night, but I generally do put coffee in there in the morning so i feed my my real belly but you know what there are certain desires that you're that passions and different things they'll call to you from the time that you serve god uh, or the time you don't serve god to the time you start serving god all the way through to where the apostle paul said we're men of like passions we we, we have all the same desires and things but we just don't listen to them. you know the pizza calls my name and it's like look pizza i want you too but We'll have a date some other time, okay? And uh, uh, there are some, though, that their whole life is wrapped around what's down here. And that's not Christian. It's not a Christian mindset, minding earthly things. So, uh, preacher, how do I keep this joy? Well, I'm going to see if I can use that at the end. Uh, The Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also. Now, the word conversation means... Citizenship—that's what it means. Not like you're talking up there in heaven, you know. But I'm talking about uh, our literal citizenship, and perhaps many of us are citizens. All of us are citizens of the United States. It's a real blessing. Well, those were those who were in Philippi were citizens of Rome. Although Philippi was in Greece, they were considered citizens of Rome. But they had when a baby was born to register the baby on the legal record it was like a rome away from rome right so i read that somewhere but uh even though we're not in heaven our citizenship is in heaven and the bible said from whence also we look for the savior the lord jesus christ notice the looking is through it looking unto jesus in the in the past looking unto jesus for our present and for our future joy looking unto jesus because he doesn't change Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's interesting because in, in Philippi, they had to put the babies on the legal roll, right? So that they were, you know, voters or however they, you know, called them. They were citizens and had the rights of citizens. Well, there is a book. There is a literal book. Now, I don't know if it's an iPad, but it's a literal thing, okay? And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, whose names are in the book of life. If you look in the book of Revelation, seven times the book of life is mentioned. And in tw- Revelation chapter 21 and verse 27, it says, uh, they which are written in, it says, the Lamb's book of life. So it's Jesus Christ's register. Of who belongs to him now I'd say that that's the most important thing that I own I don't know if you call it ownership is my name written in that book and my life I want to exemplify the importance of having my name written in that book you don't write it in there someone else does I don't know if he writes it he can blot it out he writes it in or an angel writes it in but it's in God's book In verse 21, it said, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, we we often, as as I finish, we often hear things of past, present, and future, right? And even we went through tonight, past, present, and future on the joy timeline. But if you could spiritually turn it on its head, Future, first, present, and then past. In the Old Testament, there were a lot of prophets. You know what they were prophesying? For unto us, a child is born. For unto us, a son is given. It was the future joy of Emmanuel coming. And because of the future, this is the key, promises of God. We could have joy in our present. And our past wouldn't define us. Now, because of the future promises of Jesus Christ, we can have joy today and it can bleed back with the blood of Christ into our past and change the permanence or how serious those past events are in our lives because it's future, present, past. Trusting in his promises, living in them today, and trusting them to cover our past, future, preven, present, past, our joy, timeline.